Hi, can I get you started with drinks? Oh, I'm sorry, I gotta take this. We'll need a minute. <laughs> This year's Magnolia Mindset LLC Active Shooter Training. Uh, thank you to the FBI for presenting, uh, for providing those helpful materials. Thank you to the patrons for securing uh, the funding that allowed us to uh, uh, do this training and uh, get that help from the FBI. So uh, thanks to everyone. Uh, I hope this has been uh, an enlightening experience. I hope uh, you all feel confident to take on the inevitable active shooter in your life, uh, whether that's here at uh, the Magnolia Mindset Studios or, you know, out and about in America. <laughs> uh, I mean, ju just a quick reminder, uh, the exits on the boat are fore and aft as well as uh, wayward. Those are boat terms. <laughs> yeah, what a what a, a video. Um you know, I, I I do appreciate such uh, <laughs> wonderful advice. Like run, it makes you harder to hit. I mean, that maybe the one true thing. And the uh, the soft admission at the beginning. Uh, make sure your hands are up and open when the cops see you, so they don't murder you too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Murderers yeah. incoming. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck you, come, you come running out of a building still. that they're surrounding. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're fucked. Um, <laughs> Like the whole thing is pretty fraudulent from the beginning because it's like it's supposed to be this like active shooter drill, you know, this thing that, yeah, you can argue on some level is a necessary thing for uh, Americans to be informed about, right? Like what to do in a in a murder situation, you know, but like <laughs> the situation they present is a bar fight. And yeah. like it gets out of hand and into a crime of passion that somehow becomes a mass shooting, which like, look, this is America. I'm sure that happens like people getting angry who happen to be carrying guns, you know, in the moment, like is a real, you know, that's a real thing in America. Certainly, um, probably more so in the home and more so like against, you know, specific people and maybe some like, you know, bystanders catching strays. But like. I think what we're all afraid of and what, you know, what uh, this is supposed to actually be educating you about is a mass shooter situation, which, you know, tend not to be crimes of passion. Right. They <laughs> tend to be crimes of derangement, uh, yeah. brooding, sinister derangement like, you know, that originate in basements and online forums, uh, not so much in like, you know, heated arguments over like, you know, the, the sports ball or something. 
Yeah, well, the problem is, is for the FBI, you can't show it at a school because that's that would be too visceral and real. And that oh, might yeah. actually cause people to demand some sort of action politically be taken. Well, also, there's uh, where probably, is this? they may have other materials <laughs> for that. There might be a different yeah. video, you know? Yeah. yeah, that this entire video is all about like, there's nothing you can do. Just give up, uh, you know, like actually it's, it's ultimate neoliberalism in that. Actually, uh, this is just an individual problem that you can solve at the individual level. There's by, something as you they can do in the video, not being a pussy. Like, you can, yeah, you can <laughs> not be a victim. You know, you the yeah. guy doesn't he literally says like I'm not going to be a victim. You know, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, if you get shot in a mass shooting, that's your fault. It's because you have victim mindset as opposed to uh, survivor mindset. Like you know, everybody who does make it. So in the end, there's nothing politically that can be done. Because right. this I mean, is just about the individual person, their shortcomings. Well, look, I mean, it's it's not that like this technically, you know, expresses like a desire to foreclose the sort of political possibilities of this. It's that like, you you know, you peg it to neoliberalism correctly in that, like, what is available to be discussed, like as an initiative by the government, by in this case, by the Justice Department, right? Like is the the very end, the very end result of everything that's diseased about our, and dysfunctional about our society, you know? So it's like, you know, so take with any issue, right? Like, you know, our housing mm-hmm. crisis, homelessness. It's like, the question is like, what do we do about these people? What are they doing about themselves? You know, right now, the ones who are, are, you know, in our eye line right now, not like what is the system doing to create this problem, you know? And of course, uh, it's not like no one's talking about what is the system doing to create the, the gun violence problem in America. But as as a Justice Department initiative, the only thing, you know, that the government is capable of discussing outside of uh, politics, you know, is is uh yeah this last this end moment when it's already happening to you mm-hmm. yeah yeah now uh it's funny because when i took uh so i have to take like cpr training fairly regularly and this last time i took it at the school we had to watch one of these videos except it was made by the denver police department so Oof. it was like same concept like literally the exact mm. same concept except for it was much lower budget it looked like it was like shot by the ad firm from detroiters right and like the <laughs> the best part is is the guy who is obviously a denver cop or whatever who they got to play the mass shooter uh they, yeah. the, the like the scene that is like you know that kind of lingers on the most that's the heroic film scene is him walking into the office place and just blasting people with a shotgun and you could tell this guy's just having the time of his life like this is the best day he's ever had at work right like, incredible he's like, he's like living out my fantasy of just going into an office complex and mowing down everybody <laughs> on overtime you know. no doubt yeah on ot yeah and it's just funny because i had to watch this in a room full of adults and we're all and i'm like looking around at everybody because i sit in the back of the classroom because i'm a cool kid but looking around at everybody and being like so are we are we are we taking this seriously right now <laughs> like, are we laughing? am i allowed to la- am i allowed to laugh at any point about how uh, silly this is or that we're watching it or that we're even talking about this at all <laughs> I mean, you know, that is that is the the life of the crank, right, is mm-hmm. being just alienated from the the scale or the focus of discourse. Right. Like you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, look, I agree. 
this is all a problem, right? But like that we're having this conversation is ludicrous, you know, and not the real one, you know? Now, I will say, I mean, my, my, my crankiest of crank opinions, or at least what I thought at one point was my crankiest of crank opinions, was uh, we shouldn't do these at all. There should be no active shooter drills. We shouldn't, yeah. like, have these videos. We shouldn't even, like, talk about this shit in any way. Um, we just shouldn't do it at all, particularly in schools. Like, just active shooter drills shouldn't be a thing. Just shouldn't do them. All they do is traumatize the kids. They have zero effectiveness in the case of an actual active shooter. And they just kick the can down the road of actually doing something about this politically uh, indefinitely, right? By essentially making it your problem that you get a uh, fucking shot in a mass shooting, right? And well, it, the funny it part sensitizes everybody, right? Yeah. And I think like a year or two ago, if I had brought this up, like I would have gotten some pushback on it. But, you know, I brought this up on like Twitter the other day and I got like zero pushback. And when I bring this up now publicly, like I almost get zero pushback. On it. People are like, yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> you know, like again, yeah, it's like a resigned. consensus opinion now. I mean, like I, yeah. I don't, I see that a lot on, you know, of course, my timeline. I don't know how, like, I see, yeah. you know, various views on my timeline too, right? So it was like, yeah, like, but a few years ago, I think that was like not the case either. So yeah, I think I think teachers having seen its impact on students are, yeah, are getting exactly. on board with this. I'm yeah, because like, it was like from like education professionals like yeah. complaining about it, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it is kind of funny, but I do like that it also is met with an equal. It's like met with a yeah, that's probably true, which has an equal element to it of like, but there's nothing we can do about anything. So <laughs> we're both going to continue to have the active shooters and continue to traumatize our kids needlessly about it. Right, because <laughs> so what the only I mean, choice we got. What can, what else can on we do? some level, the purpose, the, the drills and shit serve are to acclimate our society to this. Like, it's shocking when you see this shit on the news, right? At, killing at a school, it's going to be less shocking for, yeah, maybe the more you see it, but also the more of these drills you go through, like that make you ready, that like ease you into mm -hmm. like experiencing this uh, or seeing it, you know, like uh, that. I, I don't know. I, I think that's got to be the case. And oh yeah, yeah. like, and, and, and it, I think it is designed that way. It sounds kind of conspiratorial, but in the sense that like what motivates like doing that, like, like so much of what our the state is able to do in this country is a bare minimum, right? Like people, the society is demanding action on the level that it's able to, which is just like feelings, vibes, you know, like everyone's sort of pissed off and disgusted that this is how America works. And institutions are only able to respond in like a bare minimum way of placating that uh that drive right and that this is one of the things you get is these drills as like look we are doing something not to prevent these things but to <laughs> make you more ready to live through them mm -hmm. in including you know or die in them you know or whatever <laughs> or see your family yeah. or children die in it so in that sense like in a political sense, like it is a deliberate uh, attempt to acclimate America to the reality, you know? Yeah, well, I don't think we, we're not the first to point out that this is very similar to the, you know, hide under your desk nuclear drills of the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we talked about in Ending the Myth, those drills were not designed to protect people in the case of a nuclear war. Everybody knew that that was pointless, right? The drills were designed to acclimate people to 
the ruling class notion in the United States that it was worth unleashing a nuclear holocaust to protect capitalism, right? Yeah. And that that was something the state was actively preparing to do. And, you know, that might sound crazy to your average person. So you have to, you know, engage in things like nuclear preparedness to acclimate them to the idea that like, no, this isn't crazy. This is actually just reality. We have to, you know, we might have to kill two thirds of the population of the planet and most of the life on Earth uh, in order to ensure that your boss can continue to extract surplus labor from you at, you know, a profitable rate. And uh, I think the active shooter thinks the same deal, you know, and it does the same thing for the weapons industry, too, which is like, hey, yeah. guys, you need to acclimate yourself to the fact that your, uh, you know, five year old might get their face fucking shredded by a shotgun uh, while the cops hang out and play video games outside the door because, hey, you know, the arms industry has got to sell guns to somebody. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> like they can't not turn a profit this quarter, guys. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Some other like, you know, ridiculous things about the video. Um, I mean, you did mention the like, yeah, when you come out of the building running, you know, toward the cops, make sure your your palms are opening up, you know, as if like <laughs> people don't you get too. blown away. Yeah. I mean, there's two, right? It's like that the scene they show is perfectly unrealistic. You know, it shows the cops like coming, running in guns drawn toward a situation, which is a thing they only do when someone doesn't have a gun. When they're yeah, creating yeah. the violent situation, when there is no emergency violent situation, that's when they're running in with their guns drawn to create the danger so they can kill someone. In this situation, they'd all be like hunkered down waiting for, you know, everybody to die like in New well, Valley. What they should have had is when the woman comes right out and says there's a shooter in the bar, the police should have been, should have been like, wait, what? Because what they're actually showing up for is to like, uh, you know, serve a liquor license violation. That's why they're yeah. running in with their guns yeah. out, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, but, but the funny part is, there's a little a little tidbit when she comes out and talks to the cops. One, uh, congrats, kudos to the FBI for making the woman who comes out with the hands up and tells everybody like, do this. When you see the cops that, uh, casting a black woman for that, <laughs> kudos FBI. Uh, but also, once um, again, it is your fault if you're black and you get mowed down by the cops. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a little tidbit she has, too, that you could miss the first time watching this. I've now watched this video like six or seven times. But she tells the cops, too, she's like, uh, he's by the bar and he has a black shirt and jeans. And then the cops like, thanks. And then like run off. Awesome. And I was like, oh, yeah. I should show like a holocaust of guys in jeans like inside yeah. the bar. For the cops. Every, every, every dude in a, in a band t-shirt. <laughs> Yeah, in that bar yeah. is just gets <laughs> fucking rocked. Yeah, just like fully opening fire on the stairwell and like every guy that comes out hitting everybody next to him too. <laughs> just like a pile of corpses at the bottom to match the pile in the room. But yeah, I mean, again, uh, the thing you should tell the police when you come running out is go home. <laughs> That's the best thing you can do, actually, in this scenario. Just tell them to go. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. Yeah, what a video. <laughs> yeah that was a stuff. trip uh, well yeah it is it is really the encapsulation of neoliberalism in general like this nothing yeah. can be changed and uh it's your fault if you get mowed down because you don't follow you know specific procedures uh <laughs> being a victim's a choice <laughs> and <laughs> if, right right no you, i mean it does you zigzag, prepare which you know yeah on some level the instinct is like well you know, little Timmy didn't duck and cover when the bomb came, you know, so that's why he's dead now. Not because yeah. 
capital demanded war with the Soviet Union, right? That like that's yeah. what's preparing you for on some level, right? When you come out and get blown away by the police, it's like, well, I mean, yeah. you were acting strange. Your your hands, you came running out with uh, your hands like below your waist, and like, and uh, yeah, it's not, it's not because they're trigger happy or because you're black, like. Um, mm-hmm. That on some level, that is the instinct at work here, you know. Yeah, yeah. nuclear war is not a choice. That's an inevitability. Uh, dying in nuclear war—that's a choice, right? And mass shootings—that's not a choice. That's an inevitability. Granted, it only happens here, and, you know, <laughs> whatever. But like, uh, you know, the, that insert onion headline here, right? But like, uh, dying in it—that's the choice, right? The mm-hmm. Shooting, not a choice. Dying in it—that's the choice. You're Welcome back to Mechanical Freak. Uh, we've got, uh, I, I'm on the boat. Everybody's here. We got Brian, we got Munya. Um, we've got a heck of a show for you. Later in the episode, Seattle Magazine is back with uh, another uh, cop profile. We've got our new chief. I and mean, it was only a matter of time, right? Like, uh, I've got another Seattle Magazine to add to my coffee table book stack. Um, on top of uh, Carmen Best. And uh, so that's coming up later. But uh, guys, uh, you know, we've completed our, our drill. We're, we feel safe. We feel better now. As for the rest of America, I mean, yeah, are they availing themselves of the FBI training videos? And is it working? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it's getting dangerous out there. Uh, that's for sure. So... Yeah, I mean, there's obviously been a million stories about people like ringing doorbells and just getting fucking shot by the people inside and stuff like that. Uh, but maybe you know the closest to home for us is since you know our our headquarters is both in Seattle and in New York, just like uh, Amazon tried to do. We successfully were able to do it. No big deal. Um, but this this killing the subway where some just psycho freak fucking marine. And two fucking equal nuts that nobody knows who they are just strangled a homeless man to death on the subway and is now, uh, I guess, the hero of New York City, according to the police and the mayor and the New York media, maybe not so much the population. Um, that's some uh, fucked up shit. Uh, how's it been going in, in New York, Moon? <laughs> how, how are people handling that one? What am I supposed um, to do uh, when when uh, a local good guy decides to strangle somebody to death on the subway? What, what are my three options that I have FBI wise? <laughs> um, uh, secure the perimeter, I guess, uh, like, you know, run. <laughs> or, I mean, in, in the case of if you were taking the training from like Eric Adams, I guess, uh, the training is basically watch cheer or record and do both of those two things and like <laughs> that's, that's gonna be exactly, the NYPD video for this right yeah yeah, yeah i mean because like that's exactly what happened it like jordan neely um was choked to death for 15 minutes straight on the subway uh ultimately is uh was murdered on the broadway and lafayette street so that means that during the time from that stranglehold which you know Happened for 15 minutes. Um, people went on and off the subway. It's a busy, the F train's a very busy subway. Um, and reports were that there was two videos taken because we can see them. And in the videos, you can see people either doing nothing, looking away, or almost like cheering them on. Uh, and this is a person who expressed frustration about being hungry, about uh, 
you express frustration about like, you know, uh, just life not being that meaningful. Uh, and, you know, just the idea of being homeless and the experience of being homeless was frustrating. In no way was there any threat made at all. It was just more of just like, you know, public frustration expressed um, very briefly. Uh, and that, uh, that led to him getting murdered. Um, mm-hmm. And the, there's tons of NYPD and subway stations. That's like Eric Adams whole thing. Um, there was no reports of the NYPD ever showing up to any of this uh, at all. Um, and yeah. And, and I mean, that's just, that's, that's what went down on the, on the F train. And, yeah. you know, it's caused, caused outrage. Cause remember like George Floyd, that, that, that took eight minutes for him to be murdered. Right. So this is like almost double, you know, that time, this is a 30 year old former street performer. Um, and he used to do like Michael Jackson, uh, street performances, uh, street performances in New York were cracked down. That was his only source of income uh, reportedly. And, you know, it caused him to have a worse life than before. Yeah. And I, so, so one of the interesting things too, was there were, there were some, you know, experts and like self-defense trainer or whatever who came out with like, Look, if you look at how this guy in the video, uh, uh, this guy Penny, whatever the fuck his name was, the, uh, the, was the Marine who was dying, yeah. just like waiting, dying to kill somebody waiting for this to happen, just w- like waiting to take his own personal Bernie journey. Yeah, exactly right. right which so I mean, de- Bernie gets uh, <laughs> the original. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we should get to that in a second. But like, yeah, but Daniel Penny, right? Like, there was some like self uh, defense instructors or whatever who were like saying like, hey. You know, if you look like the guy clearly is trained, he's using like literal standard like to the T technique. And they're like, and if you, you know, anybody that would have taught him that would have said, like, don't do this unless you plan to kill the person, because this is going to kill the person that you use it on. Right. Trying to point to the idea that this guy was trying to kill Neely. But I would just like to say uh, you there's no world in which you think strangling somebody for 15 minutes isn't going to kill them. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, there's all that expert shit or whatever, which is fine. And that'll sound, you know, would sound good in court if this guy were ever to go to trial, which he's not going to. But like the, you know, the the defense of this man, like, oh, he was just trying to restrain this guy or something, which it's like, hey, why was he doing that? Shouldn't have been doing that anyways. Is it really making that defense? (laughs) Yes, yes, Yes. people were. Yes, like in huge numbers, people were saying that. And it's like he was trying to kill him. Like from the start, like he, as you're saying, this is his Bernie Getz moment and that he wanted to kill somebody. He wanted to kill a homeless person because he knows he lives in America and that's how you'll get away with it. And all he needed was his opportunity well, and, and he took it. And reportedly his dad is a cop, a cop too. Yeah. And, which, you know, and, and which explains how, and one part of the outrage, of course, like a murdering of a homeless person, like uh, who Jordan Neely was at that time, um, is outrageous enough, but the police response to this, right. Which was essentially the trains got briefly delayed. Um, he got taken into custody and then, um, he got released without any real, without any public record of his booking, without any like Mm -hmm. mugshot and without a name. Right. And they just, uh, released him without, you know, it wasn't even like a bail or anything. I think it was simply, he just got released. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that, that caused 
uh, even more outrage, right? Because it wasn't just, it, it was almost as a police collaboration in this murder too, almost signing off that this is okay to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and the interesting thing about the Bernie Getz, so, I mean, for people that don't know, because I'm fucking old as shit, in the 1980s, a man named Bernie Gates, or Gates, Getz, however you want to pronounce it, went into the New York City subway and shot a, a group of black teenagers killing, I think, two. And, um, you know, it led to a mixture of the media basically calling him like a hero and you know, calling the subway vigilante and all that. But I, one of the more interesting things was the governor of New York at the time, Mario Cuomo, came out very sternly against this, saying like, hey, it's not good for mm -hmm. citizens of New York to go to the subway, just start shooting people. Like, we shouldn't also, encourage this. The guy's a gets, criminal. Gets fled out of yeah. state after it happened. Yeah. Eventually turned arrested. himself in. <laughs> Eventually turned himself in when like his, I, you know, he decided like, but his instinct originally was to flee. And he was charged with. Yeah murder um eventually he's acquitted but like that so it's not that big a difference you know but it's like that's that's where we're at now you know yeah yeah i mean that's that's what's changed right is this penny guy didn't flee because he knew the police were his friends and that they were just going to take him out to eat which is why there's no mug shots or anything like that they all just went to dinner together or went to the bar had some drinks partied whatever uh the governor of new york came out in support of him immediately so kathy hochel was immediately like hey people can't act up on the subway or else you're gonna get murdered sorry there, no yeah it's like uh, there's, she said know. there's consequences for behavior and she was yeah. referring to jordan neely's behavior and the consequences yeah. that he was murdered for that behavior like you're talking yeah. about like it's this is so like the it goes so much deeper than this like how sick this is but like on just like a basic level like that this is the response from like democratic politician like a governor mm -hmm. like saying like the rule of law fuck the rule of law like just like yeah not even not just cop of course like we've long been at like yeah well yeah obviously like cops should just be able to execute people on the street without trial uh but like yeah no just like this guy the, an unarmed man who was being annoying apparently people claim this you know on the subway it's this is like it's like science fiction. It is like uh, uh, one of the most dystopic the 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 most dystopic universe in the lathe of heaven, where like uh, you you know every citizen carries like a euthanasia gun. So if you come across like someone who like is displaying like signs of uh, not being uh, you know, not living up to their potential or having like genetic aberrations or something, you, your duty is to euthanize them then and there, you know, like mm -hmm. that, that's, you know, like that, that's, that's as far as again, takes that story. That's the most insane, like oppressive thing possible. And it's like, we, we literally live there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, some of the responses have been instructive. I mean, there was an account on Twitter that it's not a verified account, so we don't need to like. <laughs> Plus, I was laid into this account enough. But, you know, I think it was typical of some liberal responses 
where they just proceeded to start telling all these, I mean, I'm sorry, quite frankly, obviously made up stories. Like uh, when I was part of a mutual aid group, a member yeah. who had this mentality gave a homeless man who requested a cell phone. Another homeless man came to our group a week later yelling at us because the guy sold the phone for cash to buy enough <laughs> heroin to push on women in recovery, <laughs> uh, causing multiple homeless women in the area have been cleaned to relapse uh, and then he used them for sex, right? And you know, th this person brought up, I mean, this was like one of like 10 different obviously fabricated stories, <laughs> like just absurdly fucking is... fake lies uh, that we're all just used to justify. Well, that's why you have to kill them on site, right? That's why the right. homeless have to be murdered on site. I mean, I, you know, and you, you put it mo the most succinctly, Brian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, th yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I was going with this, right? Of like, this is sort of immediately reminiscent of cases like the Scottsboro boys or like any other mm -hmm. lynching case where, you know, female victimhood, particularly white female victimhood is marshaled against, you know, vulnerable populations who people want to get rid of. Right. And, you know, you sort of pose yourself as the victim, you know, as a way to be the aggressor, if that sort of makes sense, because you mm -hmm. know what your words are going to do. Right. So the reason why she begins, she begins her whole thing by saying that a homeless guy told her, uh, you know, she like wouldn't buy him liquor. So he said, this is why white women are only good for sucking my dick. Uh, you know, she posed it that way because she knows the reaction that's going to get from a certain part of the population, right? Yeah. Is to immediately think the homeless have to be killed, which is her ultimate goal of these tweets, right? Is to justify the killing of Jordan Neely, to, you know, sort of normalize this violence, etc., right? And, you know, it's, it's a way to basically be like, I want to cheer this on while also somehow uh, taking on the status of exalted victimhood so I don't have to feel personally responsible for my actions, right? All the kind of shit that was very true of the woman who claimed Emmett Till wolf whistled at her or whatever. True of the women who lied and claimed that the Scottsboro boys raped them. Like, I mean, th there's a long history of this fucking shit, right? Um, but this is this is a particular disease of right-wing American thought, right? It's the thing we talk about of fascism, too. Like, fascists are always victims of their own mind, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that is how they sort of, you know, post-facto justify their violence against others, right? And, you know, it just is, uh, I don't know. It, there was a lot of this online, and it was uh, discouraging, to say the least, but not unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, it was really just, like, dark. And, yeah, exactly right, Brian. This was... Uh, legitimate lynch lynching i mean i don't know what else you could call it um based on uh, vigilante murdering someone or being homeless right or like you know threatening a community or being an undesirable while in front in a public place with everyone kind of looking on uh tacitly approvingly right i mean like yeah. what, what else what else do you call that yeah, and Moody, I want to I highlight that because that's the key point right there. So historians for a long time have like tried to correct people and said like, oh, you know, there was an incident where a, a black person was murdered. And of course, people who are upset by it will say, well, it's lynching or whatever. And they'll be like, that's not lynching because lynching is a community activity, right? That's yeah. when like the whole community approves of it, cheers it on, etc. And I got to say, this subway killing especially is damn close to meeting that fucking definition. Like, you know, all we needed is official cop involvement, which, you know, hey, let's hold the 
the judgment on that because we still don't know what Daniel Penny's actual like employment is. Like, I think yeah, a lot or of people know his identity for a while until now. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if his name is Daniel Penny or not. Like, I mean, seriously, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't even, so, like, I mean, we'll, you know? we'll, we'll, we'll put a pause on you know whether this guy well, was a cop or not. But, after the fact, you know, certainly, certainly. But like, yeah, I mean, the the, the full community involvement seemingly in the murder yeah. of uh, Jordan including Neely like yeah is, people, you know cheering or on a, the spectrum from you know rooting it on to just uh standing there and ignoring it like e- either way like yeah. yeah it's it's a in a very public place this murder happening before people's eyes yeah and certainly being celebrated after the fact as well as lynchings always were as well and i mean to get to that point you know the you know in the aftermath obviously some people in new york were upset by this and you know vigils and demonstrations were held and at the vigils, I mean, this story is so bizarre. I mean, we really don't know all the details yet about this. But at the vigil, NYPD just fucking went nuts and just started beating the shit out of the fucking people at the vigil. I mean, uh, there's a picture on uh, Hellgate of some guy whose face is covered in blood getting arrested by the police for, I guess, feeling bad that a homeless person died, which I guess is a crime now. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's really... Yeah, I gotta say, I feel like there's, I feel like there's more details to the story than we're getting. (laughs) Yeah, and like this, this vigil was, um, I think a third consecutive action at Broadway Lafayette Station. Um, Mm -hmm. I went to one of them uh, over the weekend, and so at first, uh, before I came, um, they wanted to shut down the subway, right? And so you know there was a protest like on the tracks, basically to like you know like halt actually disrupt right because there was before there was protests at washington square park which i just call um just a honeypot for crankery right like Mm -hmm. anytime you go to washington square park you'll you'll hear anyone's like whatever someone has to say no one really gives a fuck right like whatever Mm -hmm. um so as much as like i appreciate any single action that happens uh, in favor of Jordan Neely um, and seeking justice for Jordan Neely, like, you know, it's not going to disrupt anything if you go to <laughs> Washington yeah, yeah, Square yeah. Park. Like, that's exactly where people in power want you to go. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, on the ground organizers uh, decided to, you know, take a more direct approach and like shut down uh, the subways for a bit while like, you know, uh, being on the tracks. So the NYPD came in like full force basically and like, you know, basically told them to go upstairs, uh, which eventually like they did. But that's when I got off the subway. And um, so I get off the subway to like attend this rally because all that they said was that there was being held up Broadway Lafayette. So I'm like walking and I just see, I'm kind of like, uh, <laughs> it was just like a hotbed of cops, right? So I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is kind of wild. But after we go upstairs, like there was, speeches like a couple hundred people came out right which is not like huge for new york but it also wasn't nothing like um it was it was a fair turnout especially um for short notice um and then we just like kind of took to the streets right and uh like went all the way up to 14th from broadway lafayette uh you know which was um and nypd was all there they were on the perimeter of the two there wasn't uh but there wasn't a lot of violent action at that protest um there seems to be like nypd liaisons and stuff like you know they're so it seemed like they were like semi allowing this to happen there were some arrests uh when anyone touched nypd right Mm -hmm. like or like embraced their shoulder right there was like you Mm -hmm. know swarms of that so there's a couple arrests made but you know it was um overall a good like disruptive action it seemed with like you know organizers actually having a good analysis on the situation too mm-hmm. right um you know basically 
you know, calling connecting the NYPD and like Eric Adams to this and not just like this being like a random vigilante case, right? All of these like conditions and, you know, emboldening uh, people to see homeless people as subhuman, uh, to see um, them as not a part of this community and would be better without mainline with New York City's policies of, you know, creating uh, homelessness in a lot of places, right? And, uh, you know, upping policing. And so, you know, the involvement of the NYPD was certainly like a center stage, um, you know, in the rhetoric, right? And a lot of people were very angry at at, um, the police too. So, I mean, it it was reminiscent of uh, rhetoric I saw in 2020, Um, you know, energy was there. But yeah, it seemed like after that, there was continued to be protests too. So it was interesting that, you know, NYPD was semi-tolerant of the protests that, you know, I saw. But then, you know, two days later, uh, it seemed like they just attacked a candlelight vigil, which didn't seem even as disruptive of what I, mm-hmm. you know, saw before, right? It's not like, you know, they were doing that on the sidewalk, right? So um, it's just kind of like whatever whenever they wake up, it's just like kind of deciding what to do. It's not like even like yeah. a protester, what the protesters even did. Right. Cause, um, I would argue that from what I was reading, that vigil seemed a lot more tame, right. than mm-hmm. what, what, what they did, you know, uh, allow, so to speak, um, you know, before with the action on the street. So, I mean, it just goes to show that if they want to be violent, they will, and it doesn't matter what people yeah. actually, you know, do. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the the fact that, you know, it was admitted even by presidential commission in 1967, but you're not allowed to say out loud, which is police cause all riots, right? And so yeah. the actions of the protesters really have like little to do with whether or not the police decide to riot. That's a that's a choice they make, which they yep. made during the vigil, right? To protect a guy they see as one of their own, Daniel Penny, right? Who maybe is one of their own, or at least is spiritually one of their own. Uh, but it's... Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the the New York uh, ACLU had posted a video of one of the subway platforms. And just in the like fairly claustrophobic video, I mean, it's like easily 60 or 70 cops on this platform. I'm filling essentially like every square inch of the platform. You know, the kind of thing that you usually see during some sort of like celebratory event, like a cop funeral. But instead, you know, this is, I guess, to intimidate potential, uh, you know, vigils or whatever from happening again. You know, I mean, it's just... It's yeah, I mean, insane, I, you know. Yeah, I think they probably don't want the momentum of the protest to keep up, right? Yeah. Think like maybe like a one one protest, sure, fine, let it out, and then like go back to normal. But I think seeing it keep on happening, right, and it keeping on like growing in numbers, uh, you know, I think that that probably, you know, they were like, okay, we can just use the authorized force we <laughs> were, yeah. were able to use because they could just do anything, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the budget of the NYPD is just so big that like they can outnumber basically any single sort of like any single gathering that's like not the whole city, you know, like yeah, yeah. They, 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 they can bring in basically what seems like a military right in, in there, uh, which is, you know, not unique, but on the scale feels like pretty unique to like what I'm like used to seeing. So that, that was yeah. also interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's uh 
dark dark shit but yeah the you know i think that there's uh, some fucking uh libertarian weirdo was going on about like you know doing the usual right wing should have dr king wouldn't have approved of like blocking mm. transit which was <laughs> yeah, always very funny yeah. of like yes <laughs> mlk uh famous for his not disrupting traffic yeah. Anymore, yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, but yeah I, I think you point to a real fact here Bodia, which is that disrupting the train schedule actually is effective which is why the police then have been out much more in force ever since that happened. They're like, Oh no, we're going to, we're going to shut this shit down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's it just the the whole story is one of those ones. It's like, fuck, you know, <laughs> doesn't make you feel good. Uh, now one like funny thing to come out of this is that uh, it's one of those sort of like the police are the same everywhere sort of stories. <laughs> yeah. And that <laughs> NYPD to show that their reaction to these events has been totally normal and warranted, uh, did post a picture of some trash they found on the ground, a Topo Chico bottle with a napkin jammed down into the bottle. Right. So they don't have to carry it around, you know, and they're like, <laughs> this is a Molotov cocktail that was going to be used against <laughs> us. Right? Where have Twitter. I heard this one before? <laughs> okay, okay, but in Seattle, the Molotov, the, the Corona bottles was like a six pack that some cop like made like to yeah. look like, like unfilled. Went, went Unf- into like a corner store and like bought yeah. a bandana. Like you can see the <laughs> creases on the bandana still. And like <laughs> shoved them see, in like, there. This was just some trash. Like, like obviously, like the, the <laughs> napkin was mostly dry. Like they're like you know like <laughs> I, well, don't I guess don't stuff anything in a bottle like except yeah. a lime wedge. Yeah, yeah. Okay? like because <laughs> you're gonna get you know you're gonna catch you you know stuffing your gum wrappers in your sprite can. You're gonna be in prison for like mm-hmm. domestic terrorism. <laughs> well, that the the Corona bottle I guess is the more the more obvious one, but the one it immediately drew my attention to was again from the 2020 protest when the Seattle candle. PD. Yeah, had the broken candle, <laughs> yeah. and they yeah. tweeted yeah. we, they yeah. brought explosive devices <laughs> yeah. to the protest. Incendiary <laughs> devices. Incendiary, yeah. And so just, you know, police beat the same everywhere. It, you know, it is like, you know, the, the Emperor's New Clothes thing, I think sometimes people kind of forget what the actual, like, point of that story is, which is that, you know, power can force you to, like, believe things that are, are obviously yeah. not true. But it is funny that police post these pictures and are just like, yeah, people will have to swallow this. Like, yeah. sorry. Well, the news like, media no will. Choice. They'll have to just yeah. say, police, no, say police are, are this. saying that, yeah. that uh, you know, and then yeah. that's the, that's it, you know, yeah. done deal. It, yeah, and the fact that's so obviously absurd, uh, you know, is just uh, the that's the flex, right? Uh, hilariously, somebody did say that the the funniest part about it is that it is a Topo Chico bottle, which I think is actually the funniest part about it. But, uh, but yeah, on, on a slightly uh, more downer note, um, you know, the 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 good news in America kept rolling, obviously. Uh, so we had to move from subway vigilantism to uh, mass shooters again because a what appears to be another right-wing nut went into a mall in Dallas and shot the fucking place up and killed a bunch of people. Uh, But the interesting thing about that, I mean, that's just, you know, a once a month occurrence or more in America, right? Uh, But again, the interesting thing came in the sort of reactions, the first of which was on Fox News, they were interviewing some fucking goof uh, who basically said, he said, look, you know, whenever you go into a public place, you know, you got to take General Mattis's advice. I'll point out General Mattis, not a successful commander in war, but whatever. But take General Mattis's advice and have a plan, quote, have a plan to kill everyone you meet. 
All right. Incredible. So, so this is the this is the new advice that I guess the FBI uh, didn't have time to put in their video, but apparently is that, this is how we're going to live our lives now. That's, isn't that advice for the shooter? Like, <laughs> am I, how is that not advice for the shooter? Like, look, if you yeah. really want a body count, you got to have a plan, man. Well, it turns out the shooter, again, a right-wing nut who is, like, firmly in the right-wing mediosphere. Uh, so maybe they were just talking to the future shooters. <laughs> like, hey, guys, like, let's, let's get those numbers up, all right? Uh, but the the real bit was uh, from, of course, uh, you know, Twitter brain genius Michael Tracy, who immediately came out with... Uh, I, I guess I, I want to attribute this to him being a particular kind of idiot, but this is really like how Americans think. But he says, quote, I guess it's possible that someone named Mauricio Garcia, which is the name of the shooter, quote, may have had white supremacist beliefs, but perhaps further analysis is warranted. Doing the usual thing of, by my skull analysis, Mauricio Garcia is not white. So therefore, he must not have these beliefs that I also have personally. <laughs> but yeah, uh, which of course was the the whole uh, right wing take initially is that Latinos can't have uh, racist beliefs. Impossible. I mean, look, America's too stupid to like grasp the, you know, maybe actually too esoteric and academic like way that race and white supremacy is accurately described like <laughs> there may need to be a a better way of talking about these things to to like reach like the morons that are americans like but i, I like you're just not gonna get you're not gonna get over with that one you know what i mean like mm -hmm. people, yeah. americans don't there is like always been a a major disconnect on any conversation about race or racism in America. Like this was very clear in the Trump years, especially like in 2016 during the election, like when all these issues, you know, were coming up and being discussed as like real, like live political topics about, you know, what is Trump a racist and are the Trump people racist and that stuff. And then of course, like right winger, the, the thing they hate the most is being called a racist. And like, at the root of it, there is this like misunderstanding about what's being discussed. Like some of the, so a lot of that's deliberate on a lot of part of a lot of parties, but a lot of people are very stupid and don't think about these things. And the correct way that, you know, we might want to talk about race and racism and white supremacy, you know, it is like couched in kind of what are probably kind of esoteric uh, ways, you know, and so that's just maybe the reality. I mean, Michael Tracy doesn't have any excuse. Like he's just a shithead. <laughs> and like, yeah. And like you say, a particular kind of idiot, but like, yeah, that always, that is going to be an impasse until like, uh, yeah. you know, someone figures well, I, out how to talk about this in a way that Americans can understand, you know? When I think of the Trump years, yeah, that's, that's a good example because I remember talking about the immigration stuff during the Trump years and people were like, yeah, you know, it's uh, the, the like white supremacists and the border patrol and they talk about like white border patrol agents. And I'd always have to stop them and be like, you know, the border patrol is not white, right? Like, yeah, the border patrol is <laughs> like the like probably has the highest percentage of like Latino diversity win for yeah, the border it, patrol. It, yeah. Which is like it's because who lives on the border, man? Come on. Like, you know, I'm not saying it's not racist, but, you know, you need to kind of like expand your idea of what racism is. And I think at the core is that both on the right and the left in the United States, and this has been the victory of the Cold War, quite frankly, there is a 
total belief, whether people are can consciously acknowledge this or not, a total belief that race is a universal scientific fact, yeah. right? That there yeah. is a thing called yeah. race that is real and you can divide society into specific races, right? And I mean, this, you know, not to open a can of worms, but this really came out in the uh, the Rachel Dolezal thing when like right wing radio hosts were like, all, you know, this bitch is white. And then like the left came in and started doing their own race science. On the, I got to get on the case and do our own race science and yeah. affirm, you know, the racial categories. But like there is a deeply held belief that race is a universal fact. Right. And so therefore, <laughs> when a thing happens, a social you know, event happens like a Latino racist, you know, kills somebody who has white supremacist beliefs in order to square the circle. You just have to be like, well, this is, must just be made up because by my skull measurements, this guy is not white. It's <laughs> like, but by his skull measurements, he is right because this is all made up. This is fantasy. You know, it has a social reality because we act on it. But it is a fantasy. It is not real, which means you can be a Latino white supremacist. And in fact, there are lots of them. You know, yeah. um, well, it's like say, like race is real to basically everyone in America, right? We believe that race is a thing, yeah. and then there. But that's mostly like sort of subconscious and assumed. Um, then there's the more conscious sort of liberal belief that racism is this also this natural thing where like you know ignorant people are just are always afraid of people who are different from them and that this is where racism comes from and that that race is that like version of racism is the foundation of a lot of uh exploitation and oppression et cetera, et cetera. and it's like you know a lot of that story is backward you know mm -hmm. yeah but so, uh, well, you know yeah yeah and, and it's just sort of kind of come home so like now you know more and more evidence has come out that's like pretty undeniable about how racist the shooter in dallas was i mean uh, a literal I mean, like neo-nazi has like yeah. a huge swastika and ss like tattooed on uh, his chest and stuff uh well, but it's got to the point that even the dallas police are like yeah he appears to have had like right-wing racist motives uh which hilariously now the the right-wing sort of online response has been well, this is all an op to uh, support the narrative, the public narrative that there's uh, a you know violent racist insurgency. It's like, where's that public narrative? Like, I feel like oh, that yeah. never gets like discussed. Really, I mean, like in a serious way, especially by the police. That's the Dallas police are definitely uh, out there trying to snuff out white supremacy. You guys got it. You nailed it. You're fucking geniuses. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you really. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head, you fucking idiots. But um, but yeah, so now well, they're just full on that this is uh, AI, you know. Well, and also like one of the unique things about this shooting too is that apparently, and I haven't seen these images, uh, but I noticed that none of the actual images um, of these, uh, you know, shootings ever get leaked online, right? Like I think that... Mm -hmm. Even and that actually, I think, has an effect on how we even digest the news of a mass shooting, right? Because we kind of, you know, assume that these shootings are kind of similar to what you see in a like a pistol, right? Where it's just like a mm -hmm. pistol, like a bullet hits someone, you may might see like a you know a bullet hole or something, right? And like that's it. Mm -hmm. But you know, AR-15s, um, <laughs> you know, those uh, are so graphic that police will never even um, 
you know, share the images because they are too graphic to even comprehend, right? I mean, like the bullets literally rip through people's bodies, skulls, disfigure them to the point where you can't even identify them, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, I, I think I don't think that the average American actually knows that. Even like a well-informed American might even not even know that, right? Because it's just like not that's just not something that uh, comes up, or is like I think common knowledge. But um, a unique thing with this one is that pictures have actually been circulating online mm-hmm. about this one and have been going viral. Um, and I don't know if that, you know, I mean, we, we all know here that public opinion doesn't really do shit because we're not actually in a democracy here. But, you know, I think it does, uh, you know, there is a mode of control to n- not show these images, right? There is like yeah, a yeah. reason why these images do not show up. So the fact that they are kind of going viral now, I think is interesting i don't want to imply that that actually you know means like oh like something more is going to come of that right but um you know there is a reason why they aren't being showed and you know now that they are uh you know it's it's something unique that uh i think i haven't seen in a uh mass shooting at least in a while yeah i mean that's interesting i mean that could probably explain why the online right is very quickly moving towards a um Oh, crisis uh, actor crisis actors storyline because you know everybody in the american right is you know an unpaid like intern for armalite's pr team right and so i think yeah. they're out there trying to cover because it is it is very horrifying i think people were sort of viscerally upset by the images that were released you know yeah. i think normally in these situations most people are just trying to escape but because this is a dallas suburb full of dallas suburb brain people were just like filming corpses on their way out <laughs> for some fucking reason but um you know i i think that that uh yeah i think there's probably something to that yeah Oh, uh, well. well, I mean, lastly, it is just very funny to me uh, that, you know, not to say this guy is like Spanish necessarily, but, you know, the Spaniards, the people who invented racism, you know, the people who like had like the most uh, just complex racial hierarchy system in like the 1500s, <laughs> right? Like the people yeah, yeah. who like founded like sl- sl- <laughs> the founders <laughs> of like modern like race as like a, as an oppressive force um, of slavery uh, still, still don't get like their like white supremacist credit. Whereas do they're like, Oh no, nah, dude. Like, I mean, you're, you're not, you're not in this well, group still. One of the more interesting things is because of Elon's new, like blue check, uh, you know, those tweets are at the top policy. You get to see all the neo-Nazi takes first, right? Like you always get the Nazi take first. Right. And it's very funny because, yeah, there'll be some white American racist who's like, oh, this guy's not even white. He's Latino and you're calling him a white supremacist. And then there's like Latino Nazis under that that are like Latinos are white. And it's like, you guys yeah, see yeah. this? Ar- <laughs> do you guys see this argument you're having? You see this argument? That's called social construction. I mean, yeah. this, this is not real. <laughs> these are socially constructed identities. But, uh, yeah. Once again, thanks, Elon, uh, for making me look at all that shit. Uh, you know, I'm trying to block those people as fast as I can. But God, there's a lot of them. White Americans pulled a Zuckerberg um, and like <laughs> ousted like the founders of racism and like <laughs> monopolize it for themselves. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, which I always say that if you really want to know about the social construction of racism, it never hurts to uh, like spend any amount of time in Europe and ask them about Eastern Europeans or people from the Mediterranean and get yeah. that really <laughs> bespoke European, old school European racism. Ask them about Greek people. Yeah. 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 Ask any German about a Polish. 
Polish person yeah. and then ask them how they can <laughs> mm-hmm. tell Poles and Germans apart. That's always a fun conversation. <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, on a totally unrelated topic, uh, Greg, I hear our new police chief was interviewed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, so let me just show you something that's been haunting me for like a week. Every time I am in the checkout line at PCC, which is, you know, at least once a day. And I, I keep looking over and just seeing this, you know, on the magazine stand <laughs> where you just see the top of the magazine, oh, like the top no. third. And I just keep oh, seeing this, this face out of the corner of my eye. And it's this smiling grimace, ho- like holding a camera with the lens pointed at us. And I, I just like it keeps like attracting my eye and I just keep thinking like, who is this photographer? Why does this photographer they've profiled in Seattle magazine seem so familiar? And I think to myself, like, is this some is this a photographer I've worked with? Like, I, that doesn't seem right. Like, I know that face like and there's something haunting about it, something that makes me feel a little ill to look at. And, you know, maybe I think to myself, maybe that's just a natural reaction to that face. He's just a looks like a like a dumb shithead and <laughs> and I, like I, I swear to god I saw this like 10 times before finally and I don't even remember if I suddenly realized who it was or if I was drawn to finally like I have to like pull out this magazine and take a look immediately I was oh oh my gosh you <laughs> oh, pull it out of the slot and it's <laughs> it's chief Adrian Diaz in uniform his badge hidden by uh, Zen magazine or something in in the stand at PCC, and oh joy of joys! Immediately, I'm just as soon as I I flopped it immediately down on the conveyor belt because like obviously this is coming home to join my coffee table book collection alongside Carmen Best. Um, we've got a profile finally long awaited of Chief well, Diaz. Well, no, but, scare. Well, what a jump yeah, scare but, of a, well, wait, of a moment. Before we move on, for maybe our non-Seattle or non-grocery store going <laughs> residents, uh, what we have is a picture of Adrian Diaz uh, just playfully, I mean, that's the only way you could describe this photo. He's, yeah. he's playfully holding the camera, pointing it at the photographer. Could you imagine? Because he's the one getting this picture taken. Yeah. I mean, oh, well, you know, but he's got a camera pointed at the photographer. I mean, right, we are going to find out photography is this man's passion. Oh, I love it. I POV, love it. you're at any organizing meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're being photographed by the cops. This is right. The, the, the implication is surveillance, right? Like, so on the cover, your cover story. Oh my God. Police Chief Diaz brings new focus. Get it? Yeah. Get it? Oh, I get it. I, I love okay. it. Uh, so, of course, you can't find this on the Internet on Seattle Magazine's webpage because and it's not even like behind a paywall. No, you have to read it in print because that's uh, that they want you to actually buy their magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, OK, first first photo in the spread here. Take a look at this, guys. We've got the the dumb looking shithead himself. Of course, like like the previous chief, Carmen Best, he's a. He's a, you know, beat cop uniform type of chief. You know, he came up uh, from the ranks. So he just wears the regular old thing, just has uh, five stars on his on his collar. Um, and he is holding, again, the same dumbass grimace, holding a I Heart Seattle mug, you know, echoing the classic, uh, you know, I Heart NY knickknacks. Mm-hmm. And that you would think would be enough. Like, 
like you know for for a for a glossy magazine like maybe maybe him taking a sip maybe him strolling like looking at the middle distance or something but to really capture the energy of what a fucking goober this dumbass mm-hmm. is <laughs> his he's got this shit eating grin and is pointing like an idiot at the mu- with his other hand at the mug like look mug mug says i heart seattle <laughs> well he's he's, he's and unaware he's rocking the apple watch too yeah yeah <laughs> but he's unaware that like the mug's in frame we can see it you don't need to point at it like it's also yeah. it's it's a white object against a black background like it's we can see it it's fine like, it's but, it's, you know. it's just an instinct right like yeah yeah like, that would have been well, the focus of the photograph you know, and well, it's the like, detail, the detail about him being into photography, I think this is all like speaking to something here, which is there's a certain like middle brow old man mm-hmm. who gets into like jazz and photography. Right. Like, you yeah. know, these are, like the two things they get into. Right. And then they'll they'll tell you about the Miles Davis album they own. Right. And uh, this just says everything about Adrian. D. I feel like I know Adrian Diaz now. In, in the I, digital I age. The yeah, thing. I know him. Uh, okay, so we're going to get to, so you you may recall, listener, in the Carmen Best profile spread, the text was broken up by a little, um, like, off-the-rack uh, mall fashion spread photo shoot mm-hmm. of her wearing different, um, you know, late suburban lady goes to fundraiser outfits, you know? Yeah, she got paid in clothes that were, like, purchased at a little shop on Vashon <laughs> Island, whereas uh-huh. uh, Adrian here got paid in fucking mugs. No, no, no. <laughs> no, he got paid in... Shop. No, no, Brian, that's exactly where I'm going with this. He got paid in exposure because they put <laughs> yeah. some of his photographs in the spread. Oh, we get to see his exposure. photographs. Uh, but, but you've got you've yes, to earn that by listening yes. to the, the first uh, page or so of this article. Okay. Uh, so we have here... Seattle Magazine by Rob Smith and Linda Lowry. Uh, Photography by Will Austin. Of course, you know, also by um, Chief Diaz. But yeah, the the, the one they selected of him uh, pointing at the mug, Will Austin gets the credit for that. The headline, a different kind of cop. (laughs) I bet he is. I just bet he's so different. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Hey, yeah, he looks Latino. So he can't be racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Don't look at the cops that were driving the uh, truck that they gave Freddie Gray a rough ride in. That's all I can say. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, come on. This is, you know, he did. He wanted to be in law enforcement, but he didn't join the Border Patrol. So, I mean, he's got to be he's a liberal progressive cop hero. Mainly that he's just physically too far from the border. He wants to police, but <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the um, right type of border. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, name a job in the Seattle Police Department, and Adrian Diaz has probably done it. Oh, we got a, we got a cop of the people here. Yeah, it sounds like he's not a different type of cop. It sounds like he's yeah, uh, basically he's an every, every cop. cop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mayor Bruce Harrell officially named Adrian Diaz as chief of police last fall after he served as interim chief since summer 2020, replacing Carmen Best. Diaz had been deputy chief for only a month when he found himself in the top role. He is responsible for 1,200 sworn officers and another 600-plus civilian employees. Uh, we won't go into the, the history, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just yeah. enjoy the article. Uh, in his two-plus decades career, he earned acclaim as a patrol officer, 
a claim, a bike cop, <laughs> an investigator, and an undercover officer working the streets. Um, I guess that well, looks like he, he hasn't was been a bike cop in quite a while. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, yeah, long enough that he must have been one of the originals, man. Um, <laughs> he was on one of those bikes where the wheels really big in the front, you know, tiny. Yes. <laughs> uh, young, skinny. Uh, Adrian Diaz uh, wrote a penny farthing <laughs> with a nightstick. Yeah. Um, I mean, how do you, I mean, he earned a claim as these things like, like, what's the citation here? What within the police department? What like his, does his police record have the little gold stars next to it for like when mm. he, I mean, what does that mean? A claim? He won, that, he won best chili at the chili cookoff. Doesn't say, it doesn't give a context <laughs> to a claim. Like, yeah. Okay, I don't well, know. I feel like if he had actually won a claim, we would have gotten some like, you know, there would have been bullet points, you know, like, yeah, uh, like this, 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 you know, he got this award. I know they give little awards out, right? You know, other cops liked him, I think is the translation yeah, yeah. there, which is like, <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't shot like Serpico by his own fucking yeah, police yeah, yeah. burst. Like. <laughs> that experience proved crucial when he became interim chief. The department was losing officers. That that's the headline problem that uh, Chief mm-hmm. Diaz was facing when he became interim chief. Again, we won't go into the history. You know, in summer 2020, <laughs> after yeah, the yeah. exit of uh, uh, criminal shithead Carmen Best, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's the headline problem he was facing. The department was losing officers. Period. It had lost a precinct in the Capitol Hill neighborhood. <laughs> Lost him. That's <laughs> an interesting way to word it. Literally I gotta say. loaded out and moved out of the precinct. So uh, hoping it would be burned down. That's as much as yeah. we'll go into that. Uh, <laughs> incredible. Violent I, crime was on the rise. What an act of forgetting. That's all I can say. <laughs> what an act of forgetting. Violent uh, crime was on the. Get the fuck out of here. The violent crime shit. Well, it was. Um, See, it, remember, it <laughs> it went up by uh, one quarter of a percent or something yeah, by, you yeah. know, population. And now it's gone back down again. Right. As we learned from the Seattle Times. So clearly this is an Adrian Best uh, solution. Yeah. 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 He, he solved it. Yeah. I think that's where we're going, Brian. This is <laughs> the answer that Seattle Magazine is taking to. Yeah. Westneat's uh, whole conundrum of like, oh, crime was going up barely. Crime is now going down barely. What could we attribute this to? And and here it is. Here's the answer. I mean, that that That's probably like reading Westneat's reporting on the minor fluctuations in crime and Diaz's quotes in those articles, which are like sort of softly lead you to are offering up to a journalist and, you know, thinkers and uh, opinion makers with the right instincts like, ah, we we could start building a little cult of of the chief here who solved all our problems that didn't exist. Right. This is the outgrowth of this is the, how the process works. Someone at Seattle magazine read that and was like, maybe it's time for a chief Diaz profile. I mean, that is <laughs> literally what happened. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, violent crime was on the rise. Morale was low. Uh, who cares? I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> the soft spoken, eloquent and thoughtful Diaz, however, what okay we've just changed tense here weirdly morale was low new paragraph the soft spoken eloquent and thoughtful diaz however is not is not your normal cop normal in quotes <laughs> normal is in quotes this, this here is, this is not good writing by the way um, i i do think that if morale's low uh hiring the the department chili champion as uh, police <laughs> chief is is a good move 
Uh, grimace of the motherfucker. Um, he, so still in the present tense here. So we've jumped forward in time. He talks about the root causes of crime and how to prevent them, period. That's Oaks. He's not a normal cop. He talks about the root causes of crime. Okay. Mm. All right. So he's got, he's, uh, He's got a structural, systematic analysis, guys. That's why oh, he's I'm, not a quote normal unquote mm, cop. He's hot to hear it. Yeah, let's, let's yeah, yeah. Let's, um, he's, he's, he's like pulling out his dialectical material book and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, his focus is on prevention, not force. Okay, so I'm sure. I'm sure we'll justify mm. these statements in the next few pages. Here, simply put. He's a kindler, gentler version of a big city uh, police chief. No. Literally, the the lack of self-awareness, to use the phrase kindler, gentler, which is only uh, ironic. Yeah, yeah. Well, right? I think, I know, I think this is just, look, you know, as, and I can make fat jokes about Adrian Diaz as a fat guy myself, but uh, this is just the soft uh, prejudices of uh, anti-fat stuff. Look, we're not all kinder and gentler, okay? Just because when you poke us <laughs> in the tummy, we go, hee hee, doesn't mean <laughs> that we're kinder and gentler than normal people, all right? We, we should be judged by the merits of our character. <laughs> basically, yeah, like we hired Grimace, who's both kind and gentle. <laughs> oh my God. No, that, no the chili, chili champion, a really lovable figure, though. You know, yeah. you're right. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you got to hand it to him for that one. <laughs> kindler gentler version of a big city police chief i mean it's just put so simply it's just so lazy right like using mm -hmm. what is universally an ironic literary phrase kinder and gentler mm -hmm. right um like, this is what say, you see in the pitch and like this is what we want to convey we want to convey yeah. kinder gentler how do we how do we eventually like communicate yeah. that Right yeah, in the pitch, and, 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 and the writers like, like paragraph oh. written. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, I know. Let's just say they're kinder and gentler. <laughs> but like, I, I, you know, and then think of what they're trying to pass off here is like, oh, we did, you know, we did it. We got yeah, yeah. this guy who just randomly yeah. kind of ended up in the job. Yeah, he he mm. he's the guy. Yep, we solved all the problems here. Uh, we can get rid of the consent decree now. He reads philosophy every morning and evening. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I, love uh, I would love to know. List. Tell me the reading <laughs> list. Yeah, <laughs> and carries a coin in his pocket related to a philosophical principle. The one on this day says, "Quote amor fati." Unquote. A Latin phrase meaning love of one's fate. Holy shit! So much right now. <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, I who, actually, the writers or the or Diaz? Like, first of all, like that is a that's a bit of character that could use some fleshing out, or at least like mm -hmm. a more yeah. maybe you know what it should be this concise, but actually makes sense. So, first of all, he reads philosophy every morning and evening. I I mean, mm. what what is that asking? Mean? What yeah, what books? Who, who you got? Like, what's this process like? Yeah, he, like d paint a picture with a few more words like he takes time out of every morning to sit in his garden with his cup of coffee and reads from, you know, uh, yeah. some of his favorite philosophers like paint a picture that makes me believe it, even if it's a if it's bullshit. But comma, 
and carries a coin in his pocket related to a philosophical principle. A philosophical principle. You're picturing a coin that he carries. You might like write this like, and he carries a coin in his pocket related to a key philosophical principle to him, you know, which is this. Next sentence, the one on this day. Meaning he's got multiple philosophical yep, yep, coins. Yep. What the no, fuck? I, no. no, this is literally the the journalist was interviewing Adrian Diaz and he like saw, you know, the lizard eye close and then come back open real fast, like a little slip in the visage. And he just wrote it off as like, yeah, it has interesting views, you know, right? And it's like, no, you got to ask about the scales you just saw. <laughs> like, you know, he's <laughs> he's revealed something deeply psychotic. And it is your job as a journalist to actually ask about that, right? Uh, but yes, yeah, he, he is minted coins, presumably. <laughs> so is this a challenge coin? Does he have, I mean, this, does he have a collection of like archaic coins that he's attached some, that have some ancient phrases on them that he thinks have some meaning to him love of one's fate uh I don't, okay. but i love it too because yeah you would also as a journalist presumably ask what does that mean right like because the thing is unless you're mean a total, to you? yeah. yeah unless you're a total fucking idiot philosophy is not little pithy five word sentences right like it's like conceptual you know frameworks and things like that right but of course, I mean, if you're to be like, what, what are you reading? It's it's just Sun Tzu. Let's be serious. It's like, I'm, yeah. I'm reading the yeah. Sun Tzu oh cliff notes. Uh, a father of three children, Diaz found himself spending inordinate amounts of time at his kids' sporting events. So he picked up a camera and taught himself photography. I love it. So he can take oh. pictures of children. <laughs> <laughs> he is particularly interested in taking shots of the moon and sporting events, including University of Washington football games and Seattle Sounders soccer matches. And guys, guys, I've got some incredible shit for you right here. Here we go. Here's that uh, University of Washington football game. They're running through some pink smoke, I guess. And uh, and we've got that's actually, you know, look, you know, middle brow, middle aged guy taking photos, whatever. That's probably is the best one he's ever taken. But feast rise on this shit. Just just that. Oh, Damn. A full moon and a hey, military plane Damn. flying across it. That's it. He's that's framed he, in his house, guaranteed. Can you can you show the Not first even a good one show again? Photo of the moon. You want to know who is in the picture, don't you? Well, it's yeah. not the we gotta get that that UW quarterback. His name is Penis or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Our current quarterback his name is Penis. We should have gotten him in there. Yeah. Wow. It's really funny how he like actually had to get a press badge for that photo yeah. too. Yeah, he's on the like, field. Like he's clearly he's, on the field. <laughs> well, like he doesn't have to get team. shit. He like he, he's the yeah. chief of police. Like he just, yeah, he just like pulls his gun out. That's how you get on the up. field, guys. Yeah. Yeah, if, right. you want, if you want, if you want to watch the game field side, just get a gun. That's the actual answer. <laughs> okay, so if you want to hear uh, the rest of the interview and you don't want to pay the ten dollars for the magazine itself and you want to hear our commentary. Uh, head on over to the Patreon. If you're already listening, we're just going to continue right here uh, past the paywall. But the paywall is going to come down like an iron curtain. And uh, if you want to hear the rest of this and you're not on Patreon, you know, sign up, join our Discord, and, you know, fast forward to this time in the uh, most recent Patreon episode. And th- that should be the, uh, the remainder of the, inter- the, the bulk of the Diaz interview in Seattle Magazine. Mm-hmm.